Well, welcome to another bonus episode of Satini, uh, one that we weren't expecting to record, uh, but uh, it's great to be able to have a conversation with uh, my fellow elders of Rec Road Church and uh, our invitation guest, Cello. Thank you for joining us, Cello. Um, so we've got round the table, not the normal Satini cast, but we've got Robert Lamini, Canisa Lamini, Tom Moffat, myself, Gareth Bowley, and Sela Similani, and uh, just great to be here together, guys. We we talking. We didn't plan for this, but the last two weeks and a bit in our country have been so complex and tumultuous and just unprecedented uh, that we felt like it would be good to have a conversation that hopefully will serve other rec roaders and anyone else who listens in to have their own reflective conversations and thoughts with others and uh, I'm so glad that we could be here today. Um, so glad that I'm part of a community of faith that is full of hope in Jesus uh, and so even as we process and talk through difficult things and share diverse experiences, so great to know that our unity is in Christ and uh, really that is our hope and I think as we've been talking uh, about the, the riots and uh, the the, the lawlessness and the loss and the devastation and the causes of that over the last few weeks. Um, I think the one thing that's really struck me is the complexity. Um, and so maybe we can just begin by almost beginning or grounding this in what was our personal experiences briefly of that week and a bit, uh, you know, just share some of that. I think that'll help to land our different perspectives just now as we as we talk. You know, Rob, you and I were actually in the office here uh, on that Monday uh, when the building just opposite us began to get looted and burnt. But that was just the start of the week. Maybe just share a little bit of your experiences from that week. Let's identify some of those feelings and stuff. Yeah, I think it's just started by. Um Sunday um, before the uh, the day of um, the day <laughs> before that yeah. day because um, like there were like kind of weights going around that no one needs to go to work um, the next day and no taxes nothing and um, just decided that I'm I'm going to work <laughs> but as I was just driving here um, I find they by the hardware they put all the big stones and, and tires. But so you were on your way to our church building? Yes, I had to drive mm -hmm. on the pavement to come here. And I thought maybe that will just die down and people will come mm -hmm. back. But um, a few hours um, after our devotion that morning, uh, we started having hearing vuvuzelas and, uh, and people started shouting and, and the crowds started gathering. And um, so before you know it, and you see like, People start looting the, the hardware store and big noise and mm. yeah we were like uh, panicking we didn't know what to do we felt really um, not able to, to do anything we phoned the police and the guy said no not in events in the police station because there's looting everywhere trying to phone ET and they, they didn't know what to do they were all I think everyone was overwhelmed with the situation mm. that was happening so but now kind of something happening in front of our eyes, but it was out of control, mm. yeah. It really was a feeling of hopelessness. Yes. Uh, I mean, we, we sat here, I think it was about six or seven hours. Yes. 
and and watched the scene in front of us unfold and it really was a uh, I mean that set the week off hey, mm, uh, yeah. for, for us hey. yeah and, and the rest of the week, what were some of the experiences that you had? Because I think there were many diverse experiences. Yeah, I think... Was your home safe? My home was safe. Um, but uh, all of us were like, we didn't know what's, uh, what's going to happen next. Because mm -hmm. every, everything took us by surprise. Um, we didn't expect it to be that big. Um, so, but... Um, after looting that shop and then after that they had they burn it down and um, so we we didn't know even if our homes are safe if because even the next day we were fearful about our one of our ngos here state of hope because they, as i was driving past the next year i saw like them studying lining up the stones and blocking the road we thought okay because that's where they started but the hardware maybe that's the way gonna happen instead of hope as well so we started to phone uh, people around securities and check if we can be able to prevent it before it happened. By, by God's grace, they didn't get to that point. Um, but everyone felt like I need to defend myself <laughs> because now police couldn't help. It is way overwhelmed with the situation. Now, what can I do as a man of the house? What can I do as a member of the community? And uh, neighborhood started to get together around to get forms uh, some sort of security from there to defend the properties and mm. the shops around 20. Yeah. Other guys, what, uh, thanks Rob, what was your kind of initial experience? Where were you? What was happening? So, I mean, I wasn't very surprised because the warnings were already there in terms of, oh, there would be some kind of protest action. Uh, so as we know, there was uh, Zumama's fall situation actually, unf I mean, Zuma must be released, protest. That was unfolding, and that was actually the cause for why taxis weren't running at the, at the day. Uh, we were warned not to use roads already. So in a sense, they were, we were anticipating something. I, I, what I didn't know is that it would unfold as, uh, as the chaos that it was, right? Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with protest action, so I'm, I was quite taken aback to think, okay, this, this unfolded this way. Usually protest action has a plan. Uh, there is some kind of leadership that's galvanizing uh, people. They, you, you almost have to listen to both sides of the story and not assume uh, one side, but there was no story to be told uh, because there was actually no formal leadership. They, it wasn't quite clear. Uh, what's going on as it's happening. So it, the surprise there was how things happened, you know? It just felt and, like and it would was... would you say how things escalated? Escalated, because yeah. it became random sporadic moments of, of looting in different places, mm. in different areas, fires bursting out from different places. So I was at my place and the spa right behind us was actually being looted. And as Khaled and I looked out the window, we saw people running up with alcohol just behind our building, hiding the stash, uh, hoping that cops don't come around that bend uh, and hiding in people's houses, jumping into yards. At the front, uh, the spa just down our road as well, the biggest spa was also being looted and just the tra heavy traffic of people on foot uh, back and forth on our road, uh, also being part of the scenes that we, that we saw. So that was, that was the shocking Was that also Monday? 
It was also yeah. Monday. So uh, Tuesday, same thing, kind of unfolded. But Tuesday, I tried to get out into the streets, try to find out, guys, what's, what's going on? Um, and there were two kind of groups of people. There were guys looting, uh, who were looting, coming down my road to come fetch from the spa, and guys going up the road doing the same, kind of carrying their goods. And then there was a group of people trying to kind of form a back barricade on our streets. Um, and this is, this was a group of diverse people um, with guns, personal firearms. But what ensued is that the, the, the group of guys, there was Indian guys, some white guys and some, some black guys, uh, started to fight among themselves because of how the other guys were treating some of the looters. So, they were then fighting amongst themselves, so there was a bit of racial tension uh, between them. So they were brought together with a common aim, aim but yeah. then there was tension within. There was them tension themselves. as yeah. well. So that's the kind of stuff that was going on, and so I was I was taken aback by that, um, and my thoughts and feelings at the time was just confusion, and I, I felt just immobilized by the whole situation. I felt like, what what do I do? What do I say? How do I you know, contribute in any way, and just felt a bit helpless. Yeah. And you were you were in Durban. Yeah, I was in Durban at so the time. Rob, you were in. Lord Lenwood. In Turkey. Can you say what was your yeah experience? <clears throat> Suppose uh, Monday Monday morning driving to work, um, the road was empty, but uh, I think I didn't mind. The road being empty because I was just happy being not, not stuck in traffic. So I didn't get what was going on at the time. So along N2, there are some burning tires along the road. But it is, it is normal. I mean, it has happened before. Yeah. A few times. There's there are certain protests. hot spots. Yes. yes, yes. Kind of they, that sort of thing throughout the year, there's been protests. You always mm -hmm. find burning tires. So it wasn't like uh, surprising. Okay. The burning tires again. So, but I didn't, at the time, I didn't think of the. Uh, the magnitude of what, what is about to, to happen. So I go to work, I mean, parking lot is empty. Uh, there's almost, there's very, very few people there because people are scared of coming in. And then um, <clears throat> we did what we had to do, so I didn't stay that long. Then my wife started sending messages like, hey, they are banning uh, something just behind uh, our, <clears throat> our house. And then, um, so I thought, okay, Something is big is happening. Mm. So I drove back. Um, back to Turkey. Back to Turkey now, yeah. So I was driving back now, okay, I can see some few stones along the road. The road is still very empty. It's like a weekend, even worse than the weekend. It's like dead quiet. I think I started to notice there's something happening when I got to Turkey, um, especially around uh, uh, my place, the historic house. There's just so much commotion there, many people, uh, smoke in the air, gunshots <laughs> happening. Um, it, was, it was like we're in war. It was um, a scary time. I tell kids, hey, please uh, stay in the house. Because with so much gunshots happening, uh, you don't know what, they are like stray bullets can, can uh, you know. And there were a couple of explosions as well. You don't know what it was, gases that exploded there. So, yeah like loud bangs, and then uh, there's a point where you hear gunshots and the kids are not scared anymore. Like, oh, they're shooting again. It's like this is becoming normal <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, for the gunshots to happen. 
and then because we, we we sort of closer to sort of we were closer to to to, um, to the main road that sort of separates uh, Komakuta and uh, and Todi. So you can see the main road, just hundreds of people walking up and down, some carrying stuff <laughs> like crazy, uh, going up and down. Some some of them even in our street, like they were young people, like mainly teenagers. Some of them uh, running around, and um, there is also <clears throat> some security guys. They they trying to stop them. And then I think they just can't shoot. They told Monday, they just can't shot after can shot. And then they quiet him down. I don't know what happened at night. I think it was around midnight. And then it was, can shot started. Mm. And at the time I thought maybe the, the soldiers had arrived or maybe the police were so there. So that many? Yes, many can shots happening at a time. Mm. Just going on, like going gun shot. And then to find out there were actually no, no, no police, <laughs> no, no soldiers. So I don't know what's shooting, but there were just so much gunshot. And then um, the following day, uh, I think driving to work now, and um, I think that's when they started having the, the barricades. And um, so I think the following day, we sort of started, okay, this is serious now. And they're sort of stopping you on the road, uh, uh, which, which, which made traveling a bit tricky, mm. <laughs> especially when you, when, you, when you have to go to work. And then uh, the, <clears throat> the garages were closed. And then you could see that hey, you're running out of fuel, but you must go to work. So there's a bit now starting to be a bit uncomfortable. The shop, shops were closed. And uh, um, I think that's when you sort of fear for the worst. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And um, luckily, um, my family, they, they've planned a trip to go to Umtata to leave maybe by Thursday. But because of what was happening, and then even you, the kids at home, we thought it would be safer if they just they go early. Uh, I can remain alone, at least, you know. Mm. Uh, um, I'll fend for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if they there was that sort of a sense yes, of like yes, what yeah. you said, hey Rob, is okay. I'm the man of the house. I'm yeah. gonna need to. I don't know what I'm gonna need to do in the next while, but I'm I'm here to protect. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. so that that I think that was a common yes, feeling. Yes, yeah? because yeah, my wife get that. You know, what if they come to our house and uh, you know um, what what's gonna happen to us? All? And then and we couldn't buy even bread. So okay, it's fine if they can go. Maybe they can buy bread. I'll so you rather put them out yes, of the situation? Yes, I'll be okay if I don't eat bread. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was that, um, yeah. that uh, sort of feeling that was uh, happening at the time. And um, I, th I think maybe the whole thing started changing when, we, we, with, when, when, the, when the barricade started. So and it was really Tuesday that that yeah, happened? Yeah, I think hey? it was like around Tuesday, from Tuesday, Wednesday, that made life really difficult now. So I remember being stopped and I felt uncomfortable. And then, uh, especially driving to work in the morning, I travel is, is a bit darkish around uh, just after six in the morning. And then someone was uh, this bright torch just on my face, uh, you know, ordering me to stop. And uh, 
you know, I had to, 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 to calm myself down mm. and not react. He's got a big gun as well. Mm. You know, like, make me to stop. Sort of uh, wanting to know where I'm going and whatnot. Um, luckily, that I had to calm myself. And You're a resident of a medicine yes, yes, yes. You're a doctor. You're trying to get to work. Yeah. But you're having a firearm in your <laughs> face and and a torch in the dark. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in, very intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it felt like yeah. I mean, uh, wasn't at ease with that. And then there were just two of them. Just tried to pass this one. I had to pass the other one. And then, in such a way that during the week, there was one spot that I found, okay, if I drive N2, I join Toti by the police station side and I travel, there's no road, there's no barricades until I reach home. So I was using that, it's a, it's a longer route. You had to find a route. But yeah. I had to find a route that where I know I won't be stopped. <laughs> mm -hmm. So every morning I sort of drive a slightly longer route just to try and avoid the barricades mm -hmm. because the experience of the barricades wasn't, uh, wasn't good. Wasn't good because we, you can say maybe um, I don't I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but you know when you see someone driving in front of you and they just raise their hand and then they pass and then you have to stop and then sort of explain yourself. It's, it, it, it didn't feel great, but uh, I, I, I think I said last time I had to put myself in maybe other people's position and say okay maybe you know people are scared. Mm. Um, Know, and try to understand maybe the other side as well, so that uh, you don't react with emotions mm. Uh, mm. in that situation. Yeah. But yeah, that was sort of that was my week. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think um, so. Like Selo, I live uh, in the city. We actually live in the same suburb, uh, Glenwood. Um, but I had a, a kind of very different beginning, um, just because of life circumstances. We had uh, moved homes uh, that weekend, and so uh, just everything happening. Kind of, I just pressed pause in the country for like a, a day or two, and then Monday happened, and so there was a quite a big sense of shock uh, in, in, in the escalation of mm. what had happened and um, protests are not uncommon but the how widespread it became at such an accelerated pace I think really shocked me um, and I remember I remember that Sunday night hearing kind of throughout the night periodic gunshots uh, explosions and then uh, similar to Ganiso Monday morning uh, it's you know Knox is uh, thinking I got to go to work and uh, similar to that kind of kind of man of the house thing I was like there's no way I'm letting her trying to get to work alone so kind of jumped in the car with her and, and took her there. Uh, quick 10, 15 minute down the journey, uh, journey down one of the main roads. It was, uh, I would describe it as very eerily quiet. Kind of like you knew the big, big stuff was happening in the city, but there was, it was, I mean, Kenizo, you said it was like a, like a weekend, you know. It, it honestly feels like coming to church on a Sunday morning, like super early, like there's just no one around. Um, so she got there safe, but then later on Monday, um, she called me to say there's only four doctors in the whole hospital who've been able to make it. She's one of them. She's going to have to work the night shift. Yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking, man, like, I got to get there, get some food and spare change of clothes and 
like this is going to be horrible who knows if the night shift turns into the day shift the next day whatever so uh, I'm thinking I got to get to my wife um, but uh, by that point it was probably about two o'clock in the afternoon my guess uh, and things had escalated in in our area uh, Glenwood considerably lots of shops had uh, had been looted at that point you kind of heard progressively the sound of gunshots or explosions kind of coming towards you um, and so there was a, a person staying with us at the time we I was like dude can you come with me I don't want to drive alone and just uh kind of creeped around every corner, the road corner, just to see, like you don't quite know who or the what's there exactly. Yeah. So you're just kind of creeping around, making space, so if you need to make a quick U-turn, you can do it. And uh, again, eerily quiet on the main road, but the smaller roads, uh, you could see things going on. And we passed quite, quite a few cars, absolutely packed full of stuff, even cars kind of rendezvousing to pass stuff between cars. Uh, and then got to Wentworth, the community where the hospital is, and uh, had the opposite experience of a roadblock to Caniso. Uh, in front of me were two black guys in, a, in an empty bucky and uh, stopped by the community. Guys get out the car, they are frisked quite uh, heavy-handedly and told to pull over to the side. And then they just wave me through as a white guy, just just. Uh, you know, kind of implicit trust that whatever I'm doing in this neighborhood, it, it must be a good thing. I, I don't know. Um, and Cello uh, and I had this experience a few times. Kind of, we were with each other for most of the week, going around the city trying to find food or check in on people. And we had this very different experiences alone. Um, and then uh, a common experience when we were together, which was everything was so much easier. Um, that was kind of how the week unfolded a bit. Uh, my, my experience was very similar to Rob. We were in the same office uh, watching, um, watching those two hardwares. Uh, and I really feel slightly emotionally scarred from that day, actually. I, if we had just an audio clip of what it sounded like and I played it to you, you would have thought we had won the World Cup. There, there were vuvuzelas, there was joy, was, was what it sounded like. But what it sounded like and what my eyes saw were in absolute conflict because it was devastating to watch what was going on. And the phrase that kept coming to mind is people are, I, kept, I must have said it, I don't know, 10 times, people are running to sin. And I just felt little children are being criminalized, uh, uh, seeing grannies running in gowns and, and seeing, a, seeing two buildings burn in front of us um, and our building being right here, really thinking uh, crowds are very fickle. You, you just don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, it didn't actually feel unsafe for my own life, but really did feel concerned for our church building and praise God. Uh, we didn't have even one one issue throughout the week, um, but then Monday night, um, Amazon Tony sounded like the phrase that came to mind is "This sounds like Beirut," or you know, I mean, with rockets going off, or it 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 felt like we were literally in in a war zone. And as you said, can you so actually, although we had called for police, there was no police presence and there was no army presence. This was civilians, citizens of South Africa, 
uh, whether that was people looting or people being shot at, it, it was absolute pandemonium. And uh, uh, Tuesday morning, I remember coming through here early. Uh, there weren't really barricades yet, but by mid, I think midday on Tuesday, I, to, I said, guys, I have to go home. I know the guys are building a barricade around my house, and I actually need to be able to get there and try to convince them to not make an impenetrable barrier because I do need to get back and forth to the church and to the community that I serve. And um, but realized on Tuesday that there are such divergent experiences happening here already. There's a community, a suburb, trying to go into an absolute lockdown, which really did save shopping centers and shops that we all need and shop at, but such a conflicting experience. So, I mean, I, on the barrier in Isundu Drive uh, on that day, I just put myself on the road before cars even got to barriers and would would speak to people to just say, hi, where are you going? And try and say, okay, these guys are fine. You know, they're going. But then feeling so conflicted, like why should I have to do this for fellow citizens of, of the same country, you know? And then had the experience of feeling like my street, uh, Bengal Road, is, is, is arming up. It feels like I didn't realize we had such a paramilitary street, but... Uh, uh, the entire top of our road was blocked off with two barriers, no, no, no car going through. Um, and then at the bottom there was like a checkpoint. But I felt, how do I be a citizen here? I need to stand with my community. I also want my house protected. As long as we're just protecting houses and not You know, we, we're not hunting people down or stopping people from moving. Uh, you know, let me join this. So my boys and I manned a barricade most times into the early hours of the morning uh, at the top of Bengi Road because there wasn't letting cars through. I felt like that was actually probably probably the place to, to do it. And in the first night, we actually had a really scary thing with the taxi smashing through the barriers in Isundu Drive with gunshots going off. Uh, and that same taxi smashed through three barriers in Toti. Uh, discovered an app called Zello with a, along with other people that these barricades were talking to. So seeing an amazing thing of a community gathering together, which is a multicultural community, and yet uh, the predominant number of Zulu guys in our road weren't on the barriers, and I understood why. Um, there was one guy who stood with us most nights, and I think he did more time than I did. Um, but I kind of felt like, sure, he, he's been amazing standing here because some of the conversations on WhatsApp groups and at the barriers and stuff, it, it felt like we went back 30 years mm -hmm. in 24 hours. That's what it felt like to me. It felt mm -hmm. like the divisions that I always knew were there were, you know, when there's just fear, there's no filter. <laughs> you know, there's no... It's, it's, like, it's almost like the raw emotions were out there and the real South Africans were on show. And the re remarkable thing for me, if I identify some of the things that I saw, I think all of us have seen incredible acts of unity and standing together yeah. and incredible disunity. Mm. So, I mean, by Saturday, we as a church had gathered together with community members from all backgrounds, cleaning up the very hardwares that we saw devastated and it was it felt euphoric it felt so good to be doing that and yet so sad 
but so good to be a united group of people. And yet I feel like the divisions that have been there all along, the World Cup doesn't heal those, you know what I mean? And this, uh, this podcast, Satini, has been talking about these deep things. And I always feel like if you just put people under enough pressure, what's really inside comes out. Yeah. And I feel like it was ugly what I saw. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I had a, a, an interesting moment today teaching uh, history and geography with a grade seven class and uh, just talking about some of these things. Uh, one of the learners, uh, her comment was uh, similar to yours, like it feels like we went back to apartheid. Mm. And then immediately one of the other learners, uh, very unsurprisingly to me, one of the other learners just pipes up, uh, no, no, it just feels like we looked under the bonnet uh, and realized that many aspects of apartheid never left. And uh, for a grade seven learner, I thought that was quite insightful. Um, to see that a lot of attitudes, a lot of hearts, a lot of idols, a lot of the things we care about or protect, uh, a lot of the moral intuitions, the things we just think of in, in the moment before we've realized we've thought them, uh, still exist. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was quite an insightful comment from a, from a child mm. who had to experience much of that week. What are your other guys' reflections? What are the kind of some of the things that you identified as happening in front of us or happening in your own heart? Uh, maybe things that you needed to lament. Uh, yeah, what things have we, have we lamented, whether those are personal, whether those are as a community or as a nation? You know, one of the things that I've been lamenting is a sense of that's really what is in the human heart. Uh, I'll, I'll just do one other is, I, I guess on, on Monday night, the thought, having seen people running to sin right here, not even on a TV, and then all of us saw visuals, I, I thought of how when sin is unrestrained, when humanity is unrestrained, we go to very bad places very quickly. And, and that's true of any person. And I started valuing the rule of law in a, in a different way. You know, I, you know, your brushes with the law when a traffic cop tells you you drove too fast, you know, normally you know, that's my kind of experience. But just realizing that I really value a society that values the rule of law. There's a whole lot tied to that. But, and, and law has a way of being part of the common grace of God if it's working properly. Um, it restrains evil. But, but if law is taken off and evil is unrestrained, it's, it's almost impossible to predict what will happen next, you know. And, it just made me really lament the loss of the rule of law for those days, uh, but also be grateful that we, we do live in a, in, in a country that does value the rule of law. And I think there has been a, a, a reaffirmation of that and just realize that that really matters to me, uh, living in a society that is, has got a sense of a rule of law. I was just thinking now, it actually reminds me, I'm, it's, I think it's Romans or either Romans or Galatians, Paul says that about the law of God, right? That the law of God actually reveals our sin, re reveals things. It's like, you know, one of the things that happened in that week was that people broke the law and, you know, in a similar way in our own hearts. That's, that's what sin is and that's what the law is. And it's actually, it's its job to expose our uh, default sinfulness and, and depravity um, and yet then lead us to a savior. 
Yeah. You know, and I just thought there's an interesting connection there between our rule of law and then the kind of gospel truth about the law of God and mm. leading us to, mm. to Jesus. Mm. Yeah, because when you just thinking about that, uh, the beginning of all this was just, it felt like it was all about Zuma being jailed. And but the, when you were just looking at um, the behavior of people on, on that day, on Monday, you could just see this is just criminality is yeah. just obvious that uh, people who are using that opportunity um, because um, I know it's only a few people maybe just arrived with those cars here but a lot of uh, members were from the community people were were witnessing like <laughs> seeing people running from their houses to the they saw that hardware open they saw that there's an opportunity mm -hmm. to just grab things at the end of the day, people they can use that as an excuse to say because I was hungry, because I, you know, I didn't, I wanted to sell it and get some money to do this and that. But actually, the bottom of it is, is sin. It's mm. just revealing our hearts. Um, that's why I think in Proverbs uh, 23 is talking about that. Above all things, <laughs> guard your heart. Mm. Yeah, above all things. There are so many things that we care about. I was just, when I'm thinking about that passage of scripture, that verse actually, I just reminds me like if you're driving a, a, a car, you are responsible of that steering, <laughs> of that car that you're driving. Sometimes we tend to forget about our car that we're driving, then we're focusing on how other people are driving, then we end up focusing on other things. But when it says above all things to guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we can start like pointing fingers and see other people the way they're behaving, we, and then we end up sinning ourselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, where, that's the main thing that it exposes when we're facing pressure in our life, it exposes our heart where we are. Then that's an opportunity to guide them. Can we follow that? Yeah. What are you going to say? Sir? Yeah, so I was going to say something in, in, kind of, in a kind of addition to what you're saying and I love that we, we are men who are sitting around that the, the table and we will not stand and not call sin sin mm. uh, when we see it uh, but one of the things that we're actually reflecting on is the incredible inequality in in our country that would lead someone who I mean sometimes you'd see people and you're like but mama why are you why are you running like that carrying something stolen like that and it 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 forces you to think about the reality that actually people have been, you've been talking about like, it feels like it take, it take us 20, 20 years back. And I'm like, in a sense, that 20 years has felt like much has not been pushed uh, by our rulers in order to address some of these inequalities that would leave people in such a desperate situation that allows them to, again, uh, lean more to their desires of their hearts in such a way as we've seen, right? That is sinful, that is such, like such atrocious, atrocious uh, kind of displays uh, of sin. And I, I yeah, I was, I was caught in that sense of confusion as I was sitting there like, guys, but are we, uh, is there a balance in the conversation that we're having? Is it just a conversation that we're seeing about, is the thing that we're seeing about what's happening in front of us? Uh, are we also talking about the deeper lying issues around this? And I think when I came around Sunday uh, to Toti for, for our, our service and I saw the barricades, 
the same question kind of fired for me on the other side, uh, so to speak, as Nganyiso was thinking to himself, is it because, I mean, guys are, are in fear, that's why they're doing what they're doing, right? And I thought the same, I was like, shucks, you can see the idols of the people looting, and very quickly you can see the idols of the people at the barricades as well. Uh, if you look deep enough, if you think deep enough, if you actually probe uh, in your head well enough, you'll see just the kind of the different experiences of an average South African. Uh, and actually, you have to wonder across the board. And I think for us as Christ followers, to be able to really uh, deal with these issues well, we have to well understand where each and every one of us uh, stands with this. Uh, Gareth, you wanted to say something in addition. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I'd, I, I feel like in all the thoughts I've had and all the conversations I've had, I guess the overriding feeling that I've got is that you can't have a simplistic explanation. So I mean, we, we're meaning makers as, as people, um, it's been said, and, uh, and, and very quickly, almost too early, you know, I felt people were trying to ascribe What's the reason for this? You know, is it inequality, and who's responsible for the inequality? And I've had some people say, "Well, well, the ANC is responsible for for, for for not delivering," and and I'm like, "Well, maybe that's part of the conversation. What about the legacy before the ANC? You know what I mean? Maybe the ANC blames the legacy, and other people blame the ANC. Maybe it's both. You know what I mean? But and yet we saw pure criminality. And and and. And so although there's incredible inequality, there was outright greed and opportunistic, uh, I mean, you even spoke to a church member who looted this week, and it's just pure criminality. It's opportunistic, and how did you get there? And it's so complex, uh, I think. And, and I just, I guess I've valued in the last few weeks speaking to many different people and I'm so glad that we're part of a church where we can. You don't have to go far. <laughs> you don't have to go outside of your own congregation. And really wanting to listen and to hear the different perspectives and not just have a simple answer for it, but to say, I want to hear, I want to understand. Uh, I've really felt that that's kind of been been important and, and I, I, one of the things I've been lamenting is how easily we just listen to one narrative and then that's the narrative we stick to but actually that that really doesn't give honor to the many different diverse experiences I, I heard one this morning I heard uh, one of the guys in my trio say that a lady who works for him their family, everyone around them was rushing to loot. I don't know which community she was part of. And they as a household said, we do not do this because we are Christ followers. But it was like their neighbors were looking down on them. But they had to make a decision. Do you know what I mean? And they were also faced with the same inequality and with the same. And you just think, man, I, I want to meet her. I want to give her a South African flag. You know, I want to give her a high five and just say, wow, you know, I, I think of you, Kanisa, at, at uh, at a barricade, you know, I remember the one day we got an opportunity to get food uh, as a church and I looked for a bucky and you've got a bucky and, and Kaniso said to me, I can't go to the Methodist church. It'll be hard for me to get there. Here's an elder of our church. 
Here's a fellow South African with the same idea as me. Here's my brother in Christ and a fellow elder and a doctor who lives in a Mamsam Toti, but he can't go from one point to another point in a Mamsam Toti easily. And then he said, but if I come and fetch you, oh, that's right, Rob, uh, and if I go with my Bucky to the Methodist Church and I make it, and I fill it up with food, then I won't make it back from the Methodist Church. And I felt so sad that Kaniso drove here, picked me up, and I kind of waved us through barricades. It, it was terrible. It, it, you know, it's despicable. Um, and so I just feel complex is the word that, it, it's been shockingly complex and shocking. You know, it, it really has left a bruise, I think, hey? I, th I think that like Caniso's uh, example of, of being someone who has been subjected to, to those, that kind of action and attitude and yet having the, the spiritual maturity, totally response, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the deep rooted gospel centeredness and just the, the cultural intelligence to be able to say, what is this person going through? is a sign, you know, we've said that there's so much wrong with the human condition that we've seen, criminality and greed and, and inequality in our, in our country, all of that deep-rooted. One, de, one of the biggest ones that's come out as we have tried to just figure out what on earth happened, it, it has just been the hard-heartedness and, and the stubborn, like, mindedness of people. And, and Caniso was like a, is an example of a person with a genuine, honest, open heart spirit. who's hurting mm -hmm. yet able to to be other centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's it's a pretty remarkable moment. Let, let's use that as a jump off point because what we're responsible for as Christ followers is our reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're not in control. We definitely weren't in control of that week. Yeah. But what we are responsible for is our reaction. What are some of the reactions that you felt yourself? Uh, and how have you handled that? How have you processed that? Um, what are some of the reactions you've seen around you? So I'll be, I'll be the first to uh, kind of confess and share some of my heart. Uh, so uh, as this was going on, my neighborhood was kind of trying to galvanize people to man barricades. And I think after my encounter with the gentleman who were trying to form the initial one and had a split up uh, because of, simply because of how guys were treating and kind of pulling people on the road, um, it was, again, one of those where you felt like, actually, guys, I see what you're doing, but... Actually, that's making me feel otherwise about how you're doing it. And in fact, the way guys would speak about people and the, mm. the description and tags that they put on people um, in that neighborhood watch group, I was just <laughs> shaken by that. So the racist um, stereotypical terms that suddenly were just commonplace. It, huh? it blew me away. Mm. So much so that I was like, actually, I'm not going to partake in this. I won't stand there and allow you to carry on as you are. Um, and, and be part of that. So actually, my, my reaction there was actually kind of shielding myself, shielding my own emotions and not thinking, how can I go be light um, at the barricades? Um, how, how can I maybe shape people the way they think, the way they, but you also feel a sense of being overwhelmed because actually the vast majority of guys that you know that you're gonna be standing there, whatever view that you have, 
will not will not go and there will be anger there will be agitation um, from whatever perspective so really for me I felt the sense of I, I just want to close myself in um, I just didn't know how to actually handle it handle it yeah yeah I think for me um, okay maybe going back to the barricades maybe I also had a similar experience I told myself I am not gonna go <laughs> Because I think most of the barricades around there, it was mainly um, uh, sort of white guys who were there. So in my heart, I said, no, okay, it's fine. The white guys will guard us. <laughs> because I felt uncomfortable going there because I had to explain first, who am I, that I, I live in this street. And then I felt like having to explain uh, why must I explain it, I live here. Mm. And I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming to guard, so I was like, okay, no. They, they're going to guard us, I'm okay, I'm not going to go there. That was my uh, sort of uh, initial, initial reaction. But some people will, will, will say, we're talking much about barricades and what happened, as, as if we're missing the, um, what happened, the looting. Mm. I mean, we, we, we cannot emphasize, emphasize it enough that we, 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 we don't condone looting. Yeah. It is sin. Mm. Uh, it was sin. What happened was, was terrible. And then, yeah. uh, I mean, we, we condemned it in the strongest terms, especially as a church, yeah. that the, the looting was wrong. But looting has happened. People have stolen, and uh, some, maybe they've used some of the things they've stolen about, but there's something that remains, the, 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 the brokenness that is so happening. It, 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 those are the things that we must deal with. Because for some of us, when we're part of looting, we can say maybe we, we, we're not uh, impacted that much, but you are impacted by the remnants that, 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 that happened afterwards. Mm. What happened in the barricades and even after that, especially what's happening now even with uh, what we're seeing in Phoenix, mm. it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it's really devastating. Uh, and, and these are the things that we must wrestle with that we can't just move on yeah. uh, and forget about them. Yeah. But we need to engage in such things because uh, uh, in a few years' time, the, 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 that, that heart, unrepentant heart, that we, that we must still, will still be there. Mm. People will still have this anger towards one another. That's not going to go away. And someone who, who looted in five years' time, they, some, maybe some of them will have forgotten that they looted this thing. But that hatred, it doesn't just disappear. People will have, will have hatred in five, ten years' time. So I think it's important that we address the, the, the sort of... The, the, so would you say there's, there's almost an opportunity? opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the, the, the devastation, devastation in uh, seeing those prejudices and those fears and and some of them, you can understand some of the fear and whatever, but it's in your face, it's in front of you, but there is now an opportunity uh, where where you can actually deal with that, hey. Um, and uh, I actually heard on the radio today a church in Phoenix that has managed to track down a lady whose car was burnt at a barricade uh, and have bought her a replacement car, a church in Phoenix. And I heard the guy on the radio and I just thought, man, I don't know your name, but well done. You know, a church community that raised money and have given her a new car today. Um, uh, but we need these, these moments, you know, where we can actually, there was nearly a standoff as the Zulu MP gathered, I think on the Wednesday here, uh, and decided we're gonna come and help protect the checkers. 
and I was on the Zello app and uh, Prince, one of our congregation members who lives just here, uh, heard this crowd gathering and was concerned for our church building and phoned me and, and so I said, can you go into the crowd and find out what's happening? And he told me this is what was happening. But I was also hearing, so I'm hearing Prince on the ground and I'm hearing on the Zello app, the guys at the barricades saying, bring reinforcements, bring extra guns as a crowd gathering. And I thought these guys were actually on the same agenda of let's protect our town. But we, we nearly had an incident and um, praise God, uh, our council actually was, was there in the right moment and uh, word got out and, and there were, there's a p famous picture now of guys shaking hands, uh, the head of the Zulu MP. But it made me think and talking to some pastors how we have to, I was thinking on my street, I was advocating to take the barricades down from as early as Wednesday, which wasn't accepted. Um, but I was trying to say to people and standing around a fire late at night with guys saying, but how do we re how do we go back to normal life where you do trust a person who walks past you in the street? How, how do we live together? That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested, I've got hope for this country for the future. How do we get back to that? And that's what you're saying. Hey, we, we have to deal with those underlying things. And I'm so grateful that we're part of a church that we can actually do that. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, you know. Um, those are the real issues for me, hey, going forward. Yeah, I am um, very, very similar on, on Monday driving uh, back to, to the hospital to, to see Knox. I um, just immediately noticed, repented and lamented something in, inside of me, which was I'm, I'm driving very slowly. I'm trying to figure out if the road is safe and I'm looking. And what am I looking for? Or who am I looking for? I'm, I'm looking for looters, protesters or someone who might cause some harm. But... Who am I looking for? What, what color of skin, right? Yeah. And in that moment, I just realized, Tom, be so careful. Mm. Like, I just, it just made me think in this moment, yeah. is, is every single person in the city now suddenly racially profiling everyone else? Mm. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is yes. In my heart, I just realized... And that's the going back 30 years in one sense. Yeah, sense. yeah, exactly. That's, that's like, I just felt like on Monday, in a, like it took one moment for everyone's trust in everyone else to be just totally broken. You right? realize how fragile it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it took me, you know what, it, it took me a few days just to process my own heart and figure out what was going on. And I just, I came to a thought towards the end of the week, like, God, would you restore in me uh, the, the image of the Imago Dei in, mm. in every single person, right? Mm. That, that Latin phrase that means that you are an image bearer of God, like everyone who's created is created in his image and therefore has inerrant dignity. And I just felt like, God, like, would you take out any, uh, any tendency to racially profile? in anyone towards anyone else and, and would you restore in them this this idea of when i look at you what i see is an image bearer of god worthy of dignity and respect that is the basis of our human rights right like the basis of our constitution even it comes from this christian ideal and, and maybe one step is is every individual just praying saying god would you help me to see people as, as you change, see them yeah. again because mm. then i'll change how i respond to them right mm. So um, I'm, I'm thinking as well, just about 
how how I process that that same thing. So I come from a from a township that kind of so the way it was positioned, even in apartheid, it was kind of this secluded place surrounded by uh, white Afrikaner areas. So you you kind of grow up having this sense of how people look at you, right? So I'm, I'm on the other side mm. processing this. And so as I was listening to what, how, how guys were describing people, for me it was just like, it, Very personal. it really felt like actually I need to defend my people. Now we can talk about how people were looting and all of that and the criminality and the opportunism in that. But for me it was like, actually it, it doesn't take away the fact that I'm a human being, right? So let's deal with the crime, right? And let's, let's actually give people whatever they, they deserve as far as what they do. But you should not extract from us uh, our humanity, right? And so that, that made me feel real pain and real anger at the time. And I think also now thinking the fact that actually, they, they, in essence, when you think about the Phoenix situation as well, people being gunned down, and you're just like, actually, that's also that. It's the fact that people actually steal away uh, that, that sense of humanity in people. And this week, we were going through Isaiah, and Isaiah 64 came, came to us. And just the verse like, later, about uh, verse 11 of this, speaks about how God took away everything that the, the Israelites had treasured and their fathers had, like, you can think about the temple and everything else that they had. And for me, the thought that stuck with me was that, so God left these people in ruin, but in the ruin, there was this exposure of the reality of what, what was in their hearts. And that exposure is what led to real restoration and real reformation. And I think sometimes we can lament these painful things, they're painful, doesn't take them away and there's stuff that we need to reflect on ourselves, stuff that we need to repent about. But in the middle of that, what you see is the truth that allows us to then highlight what is it that we need to work on. And for me, I'm appreciative, I'm thankful. In the, in the midst of my lament, I'm thankful that God has exposed what he's exposed because now we can deal with real stuff. And you said it, I think earlier, you were talking about conversation uh, you had. and. It, it, it boils down to that. Like in, in the midst of these conversations that you're having, uh, you find that before you wouldn't realize that actually you need something dealt with inside of yourself. But after something, something like, like this, after the ruin, after this, you can kind of be aware of the fact that actually there's stuff inside of me and I need to work on. There's stuff in our country that needs to be worked on. So actually, I, I want it to be my prayer for the long, for the long haul that actually I would picking these things and and yeah, dealing with I them. just want to say that we we don't have to be surprised how the the world around us responds to situations like this but I like the prayer of Jesus in John 17 when he's praying for us mm. as Christians that we he says I'm not praying that you take them out of the world but you that they live differently from the world and uh, I think it, it's important for us, at being especially for Sitini, because it's for us as, as Christians, especially, to, to know how do we respond in those kind of situations uh, when we're facing pressure in life. Um, it's either rich or poor, and uh, sin is sin, and there's no way that you can condone looting. There's no way you can condone the way we respond to 
um, to those people who attack us and everything like that. But the main important thing is that for us, Jesus has called us to, for, uh, for us, said, um, let your light shine in the darkness. Mm. Um, mm. So he's called us to be, to be the light in the darkness. Yeah. That we, we set an example to, to people around us. Uh, that is why it's so important, like there's an example that Garrett is talking about of that lady who said, me and my house. <laughs> We're not gonna respond the way the neighbors are responding, you know? And uh, we, we, we need to set that kind of example. If, if, if all of us as Christians, we, the way we guide our hearts is to be able to, to stand for what is right and then influence people around us, I think we will, we will be able. But instead of just joining the crowd, and if people are doing their saluting, then we loot with them. If people are, uh, are treating other people badly, then we also do the same thing. So our response that is expected is that we respond godly, the way that we glorify God, yeah. the way we respond to people. I think that's the thing for me, Rob, is that we are not in control of a lot. Yep. But we are responsible for our reaction. Yes. And um, we've said it. This was a terrible, terrible week in South yeah. Africa's history. This is going to hit the history books. Uh, it's, it's, it's on a scale. The devastation is massive in our province. Uh, yeah. Figures between 30 and 50 billion. Uh, uh, there are a lot of communities that used to be able to go to a shop just over here. And those same poor communities are now having real struggles to get simple things. Mm. Uh, um, it's, it's been devastating. 300-something lives lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many lives were lost because there wasn't medical care? We don't yet know those sorts of figures. Yeah. Uh, businesses destroyed, employment destroyed. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's devastating. And I, there were kind of three, kind of in terms of our response, three things that kind of came to the fore for me. One is that we wanted to be like the men of Issachar, yeah. uh, who understood their times and knew kind of what God wanted of them. Uh, and, and secondly, the one that you mentioned, Rob, was the Philippians 2, 15, yeah. that we are to shine like stars yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a dark moment. We, yeah. we, we, to, we to be those guys. And, um, and lastly, that from Peter, that we are to be those who always are prepared to give an account yeah. for the hope that we have. Yeah. And it's been such a fear-inducing, tumultuous, moments, I believe that many people's sense of security has been shaken to the core, whatever that security was in. Maybe it was in the Rainbow Nation, maybe it was in politics, or maybe it was in economics, or maybe it was in your job or your business or your house. And, and only God is worthy of our trust. There is nothing else. And, and uh, I've I've found myself similar to that, been talking to many people that I think have gotten themselves way too focused on the ups and downs of politics in South yeah. Africa. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of long to live in a country where politics is so boring because nothing's happening that you don't bother it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But our politics is definitely not that. It's so up and down. I really feel, felt this, I know we spoke as elders uh, and wrote to our church, but I felt that we really needed to be reminded of the exile and how the people of God in Babylon 
weren't to get all uptight about whether it was Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuchadnezzar's son or Nebuchadnezzar's cousin who was on the throne, but our king's in heaven. And, and we're to be the people of God. That's our primary identity. And I, I feel like as believers, the reason we can shine is because we know who's our king and we know he's on the throne. And because he's your king and he's, he's my king and he's your dad and he's my dad, that gives us this incredible unity and hope that we can really deal with the issues that you spoke about, Kanisa. We, we as the church can deal with them because we have the gospel. And that's my hope. I, I believe there's going to be many people getting on airplanes, plan, making plans to leave our country. And it makes me so sad. But it's just re-energized me that the, the, the mission that this church exists for, the vision statement of this church, is even more important. It's, it's even more necessary. And I want us to play our part at this point in history. I want us to see uh, a, a radical community reconciled through Jesus to be built. Uh, and, and I thank God for every person who's already in this church. But I believe there's a new day ahead of us. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. What about you guys? What's your hope? Yeah, I think the, the letter that we wrote to our church was so important that, um, that first of all, we need to identify mm. the, the issues that we're facing. Because the Bible told us that in this world, you will face trouble. Yeah. So it's not like, say, it's fine, now everything will be okay. We will face trouble. We will face situations like we faced two, two weeks ago. Um, because even like there was a question that, okay, guys, you looted, um, you bent down the building, and then what next? <laughs> There's no direction. It's like, this is like when you react out of emotions, out of feelings, then you end up, um, find yourself in a, a dark corner. So, but it is important that, okay, now you face that, you can't change what happened. So now how do you respond to, to that? So you identify that. If we, um, Philippians 4, verse 8, is talking about that we actually, if we start from the beginning of the chapter, it's, the important thing is to face the reality of the problem, to face the facts. And then once you face the facts, then you also, as a Christian, you need to think, how big is your God? Like mm -hmm. Psalm 23, David says, Do I go through shadows of dead? I fear no evil because God is with me. Mm -hmm. Even David, when he was facing Goliath, he said, You come to me with all these sort of things. And then he said, But I come to you in mm -hmm. the name of God. And then you put those things together. Um, and then you, there's a way of lamenting. You bring those things to God. And then you, because he cares for you, as, yeah. as Peter says. So once you leave it to, uh, with God, then you, then you start to think about all what is good, what is true, and, um, uh, and, and those things, uh, you meditate on them. Because sometimes the other thing that really take us on the Yeah, your mind can go all over the place. <laughs> can go all over this place, and we, you end up um, creating more problems than, than solutions. So, but when we come to God, when knowing that He's sovereign God, He's in control, and mm -hmm. He knows slumber, no sleep, He He knows what is happening. There's nothing that takes Him by surprise. This uh, protest might happen that He took us by surprise, but God, not Him, <laughs> not Him. Yeah, because He's a great Shepherd that walks before us. Uh, why don't we That's just put our trust in Him? Yeah. So one of my reflections is actually last night we had a, a prayer moment and. 
the, the title there was uh, Gospel Renewal. And I often say this to people and to myself that I can never expect uh, a Christ-like response from an unbeliever. Simply because even me as a Christian, I have the Spirit of God inside of me and I, I fail at times. And so, In a, so you're expecting them to act to actually, like a Christ follower. Actually, yeah. and so it's, it's, that, it's that reflection. And again, much of it tends to happen in hindsight when you, when you reflect on how you've responded previously. And so actually the reality that the only hope that we have is the gospel. It's actually gospel renewing how people see other people, which was one of my biggest issues, right? If, if, if the only thing that helped me see anybody else who's not, who doesn't have the same skin color as myself in a different way, then actually that's what we need. That's what everybody else needs. Everybody else needs the gospel need too. Right? We need God to do something amazing in our city. And so we're in the middle of planting a site in, in the city. And if we don't have that hope that the gospel is the only thing that can really change how people see each other and how people respond and how our country will actually eventually change for the better, then actually we should stop doing what we're doing. But we have that hope. So what you're saying is we need an authentic move of God. We need a gospel renewal to happen in individual hearts that happens over thousands yeah, of people, which hits the city. Absolutely. And, and I, think, I think that's the thing, the paper-thin unity. Winning a World Cup doesn't give you unity. <laughs> you know, uh, the paper-thin unity of the world has been totally exposed again. And all it points to is we need a savior. Uh, who, who makes us one new man in Christ Jesus. Hey? I was just also thinking, like we, we say so often, pretty much every Sunday, I'm sure, that, the, that our hope's in the gospel and, uh, and, and the gospel is everything. It's not something, it's, it's everything, right? And uh, it's possible for someone to be listening and thinking, no, but you know, when you get onto the real solutions, you know, like, like we need a better constitution or we need more police officers. Yeah, we need bigger or, tanks. Yeah, exactly, you know, or maybe what we need to do is, is fix our unequal sis, uh, systems and structures and, and, um, and, and I get the gospel, I get it, but now can you be more practical and helpful, please? And actually kind of, you know, we, we don't joke around when we say the gospel affects everything, right? And... And so one of my hopes is that each Christ follower would, would more carefully interrogate how the gospel changes all of those, the, the slightly ugly things that may have cropped up. All of the week. brokenness, all yeah. of everything you've seen in yourself, in others. Whatever. Yeah, so you start to think like, okay, well, what am I worshipping really? And, and what does the gospel say about what I'm worshipping? Or, or, or where am I giving all of my time and energy? Is it really to, to building the kingdom and, and pursuing Where's my security? the judge's justice? Yeah, like, mm. uh, are we doing these things? Are we really believing that the mm. gospel changes everything? Or, Amen. you know, like Tim Keller's thing, like the gospel in life, like the gospel in all of our lives. That's the only solution. Mm. So someone could feel a bit disappointed, like you didn't get practical. It's like, no, we did. It's just, we don't joke around with the gospel. It really is the same. It really is. Mm. Can you say, uh, coming, we, we need to come into land, uh, but just anyone around the table, uh, maybe can you, so you can start, what would you say to fellow Rec Roaders uh, or Christ followers if they're not part of Rec Road? What, what would you implore them to do 
Thomas just implored us to make the gospel the center. Um, I think um, the, the, the word unity, it, it, it just comes to, to, to my mind that uh, whenever something happens, uh, whether in our country, um, uh, whether in our city or town, they, it always attacks unity amongst us as people. And uh, I think it's something that we should always fight for. Mm. Uh, because it's like the enemy is just after unity. He just wanna divide and scatter. Mm. Um, it can start as uh, people looting or what, but the end game is division afterwards. Um, I think it's something that we have, we have, we have to fight for, mm. uh, especially as, 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 as believers, especially as, um, as the body of Christ. It's something that we have to fight for, mm. and we have to be intentional about it, uh, in, 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 in intentional about looking at our own hearts, at our own prejudices uh, against other people, and, uh, and making sure that we, we, we fight for this unity because uh, we are one human in Christ as, mm. as believers in Jesus. Because it's easy to, to come to church together and be sort of mixing the room, yet you are apart. Mm. Uh, we're not united. Uh, I think it's something that we have, always have to fight for, being united with one another. Mm. And then uh, if we can find that uh, for a nation, that uh, we have uh, this true unity that is not uh, paper thin, Mm. Uh, like we saw, uh, it will be a win for us. And then the only hope, as, we, as we've mentioned, is yeah, the gospel. How did that unity, unity happen? Yeah. Is Jesus. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been reflecting on Ephesians 4 verse 1, where as believers we are commanded. We're not allowed to just say, I'm okay, my freezer's stocked, or I'm okay, like my house is okay. We, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to say, I'm okay, and I'll just remove myself from others in society. We have to make every effort to keep, and I love that word because it doesn't say make unity. For the believer, the every effort is to keep the unity that we already have in Christ Jesus, the unity of the Spirit. And uh, so I just, I agree 100% with your with, with your thing, to, to really to take initiative, to, to, to journey in our own hearts and heads, to, to engage with others, to do everything we can in the church primarily to keep the unity God's already given us in Christ Jesus. You know, as we take communion this Sunday, we all take the same uh, wafer and, and we take the same juice that represents the blood of Jesus and we celebrate that we've been forgiven. I love our vision, you know, that reconciled to God uh, uh, through Jesus. We love all people, and therefore we advance the kingdom. And, and I really believe a church like ours can be a hope for our nation, a shining light in our community. So, yeah, because even like loving God, it's like um, we've been told that um, if anyone loves his mother or father, his wife or kids more than me, he doesn't deserve me. Because there's some other things they can become our idols. Then once you touch that thing, then you, yeah. you find like you've been exposed that okay, your real God is this thing. So, um, so I think that's why it's so important that we, we examine, we check our hearts. Like, uh, do we really put God as fact? What if I, I lose this thing? What makes me to react in this way? So, but the last thing that I want to say is that um, the Bible is telling us to. 
Um, so it's so important that we always um, think when you thinking about things that will give the light if you connect negative with positive it will always give you the light but now if you respond negative with another negative we won't get anything so it's so important that we when we see uh, people reacting in certain way we don't lose our position yeah and that's what is important uh, just came to mind now was um, Micah 6 verse 8. I'll let this be my answer to your question. Um, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm. Mm. That, that's, I think, my answer. I, yeah. think, I think it says it all. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Yeah, in Isaiah today, our passage in Isaiah 66, we were reflecting on the fact that God says, I show favor, I look upon those who are humble, yes. those who are contrite, sorrowful over their own sin, and who tremble at my word. That we never place ourselves above the word of God, but under. And God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It will always show us what's in our own hearts. Hey? And uh, such a good exhortation. Thank you. Sela, what exhortation would you give us? And then let's all just pray as we close. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's great is that actually I get to hang out with Tom a lot and him and I love each other. And what's, what's amazing here is actually we get to often bounce of each other and hanging out with him has made me aware of my kind of inclinations, my own racial uh, uh, kind of <laughs> attitudes as well. And I think often in the conversations that we've had, uh, especially in our church, it's, it's felt like, hey, we're only telling one group of people Guys, sort yourself out yeah. in your heart. Yeah. And I, I actually want guys to hear from another black person in your church who loves you, who cares for you, to say, I also have to deal with some racial issues in my own art. And so if we can do this together, yeah. if we can actually partner to share our own stories, to share where I'm weak and where you are weak, so that we can form ourselves fully in Christ together. Because again, we are meant to do this uh, together. We're meant to do this in community. And a community like ours oh, is... This is our road. Yeah, it's, it's the journey that we are on. So we have that, that special thing to do. And I really, really hope that this would encourage uh, us to have more and more open conversations yeah. about this. Because there's no, there's no uh, benefit in us cloaking anything and us smiling with one another and not being truthful with one another. Yeah. There's actually far more greater benefit in me saying, you know what, Tom? This is what I thought about you today. Mm. And him like, dude, like, why would, you, why would you even think that, you know? And that just helps us to say, okay, maybe this is me. This is, this so is that probably That honesty me. and that vulnerability yeah. leads to greater depth of depth, unity. Yeah, and in that, that's when we begin to unravel this. And I think, really, as we are looking for a better rainbow nation, so to speak, and us as the church are not seeing that kind of transformation happen here, then we'll, we'll, we'll fail uh, to see it happen anywhere else. So actually, I really appreciate that we get to do this together, to, to journey this together. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's journey, let's do it, mm -hmm. let's do it. That would be my, 
my call to us. Well, I want to just say thank you to you guys for, uh, before we pray, just to say thank you for joining the cast of Satini. We don't have the normal crowd here. We don't have Sitabile. Everyone's lamenting that. And we don't have Nganga and Tokozo, but we've got you guys. Thanks for, thanks for joining the cast uh, and uh, for being willing to talk. And for those who are listening, thanks for listening, taking the time uh, to listen to us, just very ordinary people. We haven't arrived. We haven't got it. We're just muddling our way through, but eyes on Jesus. Um, so we thank you for your time and we pray. We want to pray for you right now. We, we pray for our nation. We pray for our church. If you're part of Rec Road Church, stay on the journey uh, and let's see God do amazing things. Uh, uh, let's just have one or two of us pray and then we'll bring it to a close. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the sinless race. Came down to sin and in that what you've done for us is entered into our mess and unraveled it for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my God, that you did not separate yourself. You didn't uh, keep yourself in heaven and not intervene. But you chose to come to this earth, experience what we've experienced, walk uprightly, suffered all that, that we were meant to suffer because of our own sin on that cross. And through that, you reconciled us to yourself. And now we are called righteous ones. Now we, are, we have entered into the, the world of the, of the sinless, simply because of what you've done. And so as we walk this journey, as you are perfecting us and making us more and more like you, my God, I pray that we have the same hope for everybody else that we see out there. That the gospel and the agenda of its renewal may be at our hearts and we may, we may take that as the only means that we can really change and transform the world around us. May we believe that and we action it, my God. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you're going to keep reminding us that we, um, about our identity, that we belong to your kingdom, not to the kingdom of this world. Lord God, I pray that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling right now. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you will, um, they will be obedient to the voice of your Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. that will lead and you will guide us, Lord God, as Christians, that will let our light shine. And in the name of Jesus, uh, we, there's only one um, aim, that, a purpose that we live in this world is for the glory of your name. And Lord God, sometimes some things won't be comfortable for us, but as long as they give glory to your name, that's what's important, yeah. Lord God, for yes. us. Yeah, Lord, I pray that every uh, Rec Roder and everyone listening to this episode would uh, feel in you renewed strength to keep uh, seeking and pursuing the welfare of the city, mm -hmm. the, the place where God has called them and put them in, uh, appointed the times and the seasons. Lord, would you help us to be uh, not of the world, but sent into the world yeah. to be salt and light, yeah. to be Jesus. gospel witnesses, to Amen. be ambassadors mm. and, and peacemakers, Lord. Mm. Uh, we pray for renewed strength to continue being those things uh, yeah. to our communities. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah, Father, I pray that may you encourage each and every one of us, Lord God, especially um, at the Rekka Road, uh, never to lose hope. Yeah. Um, 
to know that uh, you are large and in charge. You are in control of every situation, Lord God. Especially, um, uh, never lose hope about the state of our country, state of our nation. That Father God, you are in control, Lord Jesus. Um, I pray, Father God, that may we have this renewed hope, Lord God, that is only found in you. That, Father God, even though we are in the world, Lord God, with everything that is happening around, but our hope is anchored in Jesus, Lord God. May we never find ourselves hopeless, Lord God, but we have a true hope that is found in Jesus. I pray, Father God, as for encouragement for each and every one of us uh, to keep on going, Father God, to live for you while on earth, Lord God. While we hear, Father God, seeing the troubles around us, but we know, Father God, that uh, uh, the, the troubles that we see, Father God, are nothing compared, Father God, to the glory that awaits us, Lord God, one yeah. day. Pray, Father God, yeah. that, 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 that be our encouragement, Lord God, that things that we see now happening around us mm -hmm. are nothing compared, Lord God, yeah. to the glory Thank that awaits you. us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for us uh, as believers that we would never conform or compromise with the world. Lord, we also wouldn't find ourselves combative against the world and we wouldn't retreat from the world. Lord, I pray that we would uh, play our part, Lord, at this time in history. Lord, we would shine like stars in a, in a dark moment, Lord God. Lord, not with the glory that is ours, but with the glory of you, Jesus. Lord, we ask this for every Christ follower. Lord, whoever listens to this, we pray, Lord, you would take them on that journey. Lord, we really ask for that in the mighty name of Jesus. I just want to read a passage of scripture over you as we close. Now to him who is able to keep you. Maybe you've been afraid over these times. Now to him who is able to keep you. Maybe you've felt hopeless over these times. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God bless you.